Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Hello and welcome to Movember Radio. I'm Osha Ginsberg. This is a weekly podcast focusing on men's health and the issues that men face today. You can follow us on Twitter. You can find us on Facebook. Subscribe to us in the podcast app of your choice or find us on SoundCloud. Just look for MovemberRadio.com. Each week we speak with someone from the Movember community, a community of over 5 million Mobros and Mo Sisters worldwide. Someone who is passionate about changing the face of men's health and today is no different. Our guest today is Lou Saluso. Lou is based in Melbourne, Australia. He is an award-winning home builder. I should say luxury home builder. He was living the dream until the Australian recession of the 90s led him to lose everything. I'm talking the big house on the big property with all the cars, the whole lot. This is when Lou took action and started reading into positive mindset and management techniques. He even started working with a mentor. Now Lou has a successful real estate business, which has four offices and hires 87 staff. In early 2011, Lou was diagnosed with prostate cancer and has since battled it three times. In this conversation, we talk about his battle, how his grandchildren inspired him to begin writing children's books, a focus he says was everything in helping him battle through his diagnosis and his treatment. I can tell you Lou is going to grow an epic mo this Movember. Enjoy this conversation. How are you, Lou? I'm very, very well. Beautiful day in Melbourne. For folks who haven't been there, could you explain the part of the city that you're in and, and you know, what's going on there today? Yep. Um, we live in a leafy suburb called Lower Plenty, which is about 17 kilometres northeast of the city of Melbourne. And it's just on the outskirts. It's just north of the Yarra River. Um, yeah, no, really nice, lovely, semi-rural sort of area, uh, away from all of the traffic and the rat race. <laughs> nice, nice to hear. Now, we're speaking today because of your, your particular experience in, in the world of, of prostate cancer, and we'll, we'll get to that, but I'd be good to draw a bit of, you know, a, a bit of background as to where you're coming from. You've had a, a fabulous and successful career in real estate. Could you take us back to when you were a young man? When you just started in that career, what was it that drove you then, Lou? Um, look, initially I started working for the uh, State Electricity Commission, which was a government body. And, um, it, you know, it was a fairly easy life. You got paid every Thursday. And quite frankly, it just wasn't for me. I used to look out the window and uh, 
And I thought, well, you know, there's just got to be sort of more out there. So initially we started a building design and drafting service, which went exceptionally well. And then um, I went out on my own. My partner at the time was a bit reluctant to um, go out. You know, he was a bit frightened starting out the world of uh, your own business. But uh, I took a chance and um, started building um, luxury houses, which I was designing. And the first home that we ever built, we won um, or were finest in the House of the Year award, and that happened for three years in a row. And and uh, the business just kept on coming. We used um, one of the homes as a display home. Um, and then that lasted about 15 years. Um, I'm not sure if uh, you're up with the uh, recession that we had to have, which was in the early 90s. <laughs> And uh, that uh, that pretty much took away everything that uh, we, we'd ever earned, the home, the cars, the investment properties, the money in the bank, and the 24% interest rate certainly uh, chewed through that. Oh, yeah. So um, I thought, well, you know, this is not much good, this building caper. So I bought myself a real estate office. And um, because I, I was very well known in the area and uh, people liked me and the amount of homes that I built in the area – um, I would say probably 90, 95% of the people that I'd built for um, would sort of come and sell through us, which was really lovely. And we built the business up from um, what's, what was then sort of five, three salespeople, receptionists, myself, and then my wife came into the business uh, to what it is now, which is four offices and um, staff of about 87 Mate, that's that's so much in that that in that uh, description you've just given us. There's obviously some incredible highs and some dastardly lows by the sound of it. How did you look after, or did you look after yourself at the time? Um, well, I can honestly tell you that the seven years uh, during that recessionary period when we lost everything wasn't fun at all. Um, losing a beautiful home on 22 acres with the pool and you know all of the trappings of uh, of uh, the good life. Um, and, then, and then to go and live at uh, the in-laws' place in a, in a single bedroom uh, with uh, my children sleeping in the garage, I can assure you that wasn't much fun at all. There was a lot of uh, sleepless nights, a lot of tension, a lot of worry, but I guess what I did was then I, I, I started positive mind management. I started reading lots of books, which um, helped me to get through all of this, a lot of the motivational books, and we also had uh, one of my mentors, um, uh, Jim Rowan. Uh, I'm sure you guys have heard of Jim. I mean, he's dead now, but uh, he was just fabulous in terms of, um, you know, his teachings. And I used to have his cassette in the car every day, which used to motivate me. And uh, that's how I got through it. You're a fit-looking bloke, Lou. <laughs> um, obviously, you're, you know, you're dealing with a lot of stress. What role did physical activity play in you, uh, you keeping those stress levels down? Um, well, when I was in the building game, it was easy because you're up and down and you're moving around and you're carrying bags of cement, you're up and down ladders, you're continuously on the move. Uh, when I was in real estate, to be perfectly honest with you, I did get a bit lazy. It was more lunches and, and, um, <laughs> and what. And what. <laughs> so, so, yeah, so the, the, the belly used to stretch out a bit, which certainly wasn't good. Um, but in terms of, um, you know, the prostate cancer, I'm not sort of really quite sure what sort of started it or what set it off because certainly there's no history in my family, not my father, my grandparents are all very long livers, minimum sort of 87 years of age. Um, was it the stress of losing everything in the, in the nineties? Um, I don't know. I really don't know. But uh, my oncologist tells me that that could have set it off. He just alluded to that. You know, you had a, a very interesting adventure with your health. What was happening in your life around the time that you were first diagnosed, Lou? 
Um, well, basically, I was in real estate, which was um, around the 2000 and uh, early 11. Um, and um, normally, I'm very religious with my health. I was used to get a, I used to get an executive health check done every couple of years, and this particular, and then of course the uh, prostate check every year as well with my local doctor. This particular year was sort of May June, and uh, I hadn't had anything done. And um, a friend of mine was uh, going through the prostate cancer dilemma. And I thought, oh, you know, a couple of things aren't sort of quite right in terms of when I was going to the toilet, I was getting up a lot of times during the night and, uh, you know, all, all of those symptoms that uh, just sort of didn't seem to be quite right. And I thought, well, I better go and get checked out. And um, I did. And the PSA was elevated. Um, the doctor sent me to see a urologist. Um, about a week later, I had a, a biopsy done, and that confirmed that six out of the twelve needles were positive. And, and yes, I did have uh, prostate cancer. So that's obviously a, a very difficult thing to, to bear. How did you have that conversation with your family? Well, initially, obviously, um, I told my wife uh, we were reluctant to sort of tell the children. We just didn't want to alarm them or upset them in any way, shape, or form. Um, but ultimately we did and um, uh, my youngest son, uh, his, his uh, wife's side of the family's got connections with the Epworth Hospital and they were able to put me onto the best uh, urologist and um, on, what's the day, oh, about a week from now, um, 2011, which I think was about the 3rd of November, um, I, had, um, I had a complete removal of my prostate because the PSA then was sort of starting to climb to five, 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 eight, and it was just sort of starting to get out of control. Mm. Everything looked quite rosy for a couple of years. What kind of mindset did you uh, approach your treatment? Because it's obviously, it's, it's quite a, it's, it's invasive, it's very difficult, there's a lot of side effects, there's a lot of things you live with afterwards. How did you approach it? Well, to be perfectly honest with you, the actual operation um, and having the actual prostate cancer for some reason or other just not, never sort of really affected me sort of to an, to an extent where um, initially, that is, I was getting depressed or was perturbing me and everybody was just saying, well, I was just in denial. And it wasn't really until I went for a little bit of a walk in, in my lovely backyard here and, uh, you know, the thought just sort of came into my mind that potentially I couldn't see my grandchildren again. And then um, I really sort of went downhill at a million miles an hour, you know, sunk into heavy depression. I retired from work and basically... You know, I mean, people who have been through depression, I'm sure, know exactly what I'm talking about. You don't feel like getting up. You lose your appetite. You lose your interest in life. You just don't want to sort of really do anything at all. It's just, uh, you know, uh, quite frankly, Osha, I personally think it's actually worse than cancer because when the wiring in the head's not right, nothing else works. I can relate to that so much, Lou, having been through that, you know, through depression myself and, and living with it, to be honest. What did you do to find your way back out of that? Well, in 2013, um, my PSA actually went up to 7.5 and that was sort of, you know, really the, 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 the icing on the cake, I guess, that uh, sort of really made me spiral downhill. And um, my wife... Uh, and to a certain extent in myself, I thought I really need to sort of do something. I need to do something to sort of get me out of this. And I've always wanted to write children's books. And um, I kept on saying to my wife, I must go and do a course. I must do a course. I must do something about it. 
did nothing about it for a few months, and then there was this pamphlet that came through through the Age newspaper, which was a, a Saturday paper, and there was a magazine in there which outlined all of the courses that were available for the Centre of Adult Education in Melbourne. And lo and behold, there was two courses there. One was writing creative children's books, and the other one was um, printing and publishing your own book on Amazon. So, again, I sort of did nothing for a little while, and my lovely wife said to me, well, let me tell you, if you're not enrolled in those courses by tonight, you will not be dying of prostate cancer. <laughs> so, uh, with, uh, with the rolling pin in her hand, <laughs> I, 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 heed, I heeded her advice, and uh, straight away, as soon as she left at work, I enrolled. Isn't it interesting how so many of us, we just kind of keep soldiering on, ignoring it, ignoring it, and I'm... Absolutely. My girlfriend's just like, what are you doing? Like right now, as we speak, I'm having a week off. I was supposed to be away for a business meeting, like a whole week full of meetings. She's like, no, you're not going anywhere. If you go, you're going to come back in a crumpled heap and you'll be stuffed for a month. So you're staying right here. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And it's, it's so interesting though, because when I'm in it, I can't see it. No, you can't. No, no. Unfortunately, you, you, you get into this sort of fog. So basically then um, I went to my first class, which was a, um, a Tuesday night class. And uh, there I met a, a lovely teacher who uh, inspired me. Um, I've always been very, very keen and interested in design. And when we had the project of designing the cover for our first book, which was um, the Milana book, which was the first manuscript that I'd sort of written. I'm not sure if you can see this, but I'll show you. Oh, lovely. Do you see that? Yeah, yeah, it's fantastic. Milana and the Escalator. Yeah. A terrifying adversary to every child, the Escalator. <laughs> So, uh, you know, I just became so inspired when um, I started tendering. Um, I was issuing tenders for the design of my book covers and it just sort of set me, you know, on the right path and I think I wrote something like, you know, the other seven or eight manuscripts in the next two or three months um, and I was getting all the covers designed. So virtually by November I had uh, all of the covers designed, I had the manuscripts, I had the stories written, you know, I was just feeling on top of the world. We went to Italy for, for a couple of months because I just felt that uh, things, you know, still my PSA had gone up to 7.5, but I wasn't really concerned so much about my cancer anymore, even though it just continuously was growing because it, it uh, had gone into my lymph nodes. And my oncologist said to me, he said, look, he said, when you come back from Italy, he said, um, you know, we'll have to put you on hormone treatment. He said, I won't do it now because it's a horrible thing and uh, it'll really stuff up your holiday. So... Avoided all of that, came back, and um, interesting enough, I, I'd started to read about what you should be eating, what you shouldn't be eating in terms of um, controlling uh, prostate cancer, and, and two of the key things, or one of the main key things, was uh, cooked tomatoes, liposine and cooked tomatoes. Now, I'm not sure, I'm sure you would have heard of that. So every day that I was in Italy, of course, it's the best part of the world to have pasta and tomatoes. <laughs> and I did, and uh, <laughs> I had watermelon every day, which has also got uh, this, the second amount of highest content of liposine. And lo and behold, my, my prostate cancer PSA went from 7.5 to 7.2. And I thought, well, there's got to be something in this. I was given a hormone injection, um, which was dreadful, absolutely dreadful. The sweats at night, um, it, it was just the most horrible thing. And again, you know, um, look, you know, I'm a male and uh, it, it just killed all of that part of my life. No sex drive, no interest in anything. 
And honestly, I, I just, you know, I, I will never, never recommend that to anybody. So my books then took me to Santa Barbara in uh, California to, to Jack Canfield's home, myself and 14 other authors, and there I met a nutritionist and a doctor, Veronique Zulnias, who um, knew that uh, through my brief that I'd had prostate cancer. And um, she said, oh, we can fix that. <laughs> and I thought... Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Really? She said, yeah, we can fix that. And I said, well, I said... You know, I said, my understanding is that you, you've you been able to heal yourself from breast cancer and you've been able to, you know, advise and heal women breast cancer. I said, you know, mine's prostate cancer. And she said to me, cancer's cancer, Lou. She said, basically, you know, it just means your immune system is not fighting um, the cancer and uh, that you need to get back on track so that it's working for you. You need to eliminate sugar completely from your diet and you need to make sure that your body's always in a, in a neutral alkaline environment, not an acidic environment. So um, I did. I came back home and I started watching my uh, pH uh, every morning, every night. I used to test my saliva and my urine. I made sure that my pH was around the 7274 all the time. Um, I was alkalizing with lemon water and bicarbonate of soda. Um, I was having green uh, juices half to three quarters out after I was alkalizing. Um, during the day, I would always cook myself uh, uh, cooked tomatoes with um, um, vegetables, make sure that they're only sort of just flipped, basically, not overcooked. Um, I was drinking two gallons, uh, two, <laughs> two litres of water. Um, I also began uh, colon cleansing. Uh, with coffee enemas, making sure that my stomach, the probiotics in my stomach, and basically really sort of went on to a complete cleansing of my body, increasing the good uh, flora in my stomach. Uh, within three months, my PSA went down to 0.01. That's extraordinary, Lou. That is extraordinary. So 
at that point of time, everybody and, you know, I didn't really tell my oncologist what I was doing, um, but the people around me were saying, oh, look, it's probably just a result of the um, uh, hormone injection, you know, who knows whether it was that, but I can honestly say to you that when I, went on, when I did go and see my oncologist, uh, he said, you know, his expression was zero, zero. He said, that's just unheard of. He said, whatever you're doing, he said, just keep doing it. So, and I said, what? I said, is that rare? He said, extremely rare. He said, to go from 7.5 to virtually zero in three months is just unheard of. So I knew pretty much then that I was on the right track. Um, but let me also say this. Um, there are friends of mine who have gone down the radiation path like I did. I had nine weeks of that. And, uh, you know, the, the complete prostate removal without any other cancer coming back, I was just unlucky. Uh, that uh, it left the prostate bed and then got to my lymph nodes uh, and the conventional treatment of uh, radiation therapy didn't work because every time I went to see my oncologist, he go, all he kept on saying is it's not good, Lou, it's not good. Then um, I just kept on going and doing what I was doing and August, which was the August, September, I just had the last test and I'm due for another one now and that was completely zero. No, that's, that's, that's a remarkable, remarkable result. I'm sure you mentioned that the cancer came back and, and back again. You know, I've had many of these conversations during this show and people often mention that when they first get the diagnosis, things in their life shift in perspective and shift in importance. But to have it again and then again, what was important to you before you were diagnosed and what's important to you now? How have those things changed? Well, we, we've certainly, uh, we're taking a lot more holidays. Um, I try not to worry so much about the stupid and significant minuscule things that uh, happen around you. I make sure that I try and get as much sunshine as possible because, again, vitamin D3 is one of the key elements in terms of uh, beating prostate cancer. You need plenty of sunshine. Uh, I always try and have good friends around me. We get involved with uh, I'm a member of a car club with our Lotus uh, Car Club. We go to the movies. Um, I spend lots of time with my grandchildren doing the things that I want to do. Um, for instance, a month ago they said they wanted ferrets. Now, you know, Contrary to, contrary to what my wife was saying. So, so we started building ferret cages and we bought a couple of ferrets and, and we went rabbiting, you know. I mean, things that I just probably would never do. You mentioned the, that you, uh, you wrote these, these wonderful children books. You're inspired by your experiences with your grandchildren during the, yes. you know, this very difficult time when you were you know, you're faced with this health crisis and the treatment and the change in your lifestyle. What role did that creative outlet have in keeping you, you know, together? Everything everything, writing these books and watching the expression of my grandchildren's faces each time I read them their story, um, because it's all prior, primarily about my, my grandchildren. It's primarily also uh, about one of my pet animals that uh, died last year uh, and uh, one of my nieces, Camilla, who had this fear of dogs and uh, how she overcame that fear. So um, <laughs> the other thing too is, when you say what enjoyment I get out of it, the biggest enjoyment that I get is going to the schools, reading to the littlies, yeah. watching the expressions on their faces as I sort of act out the parts of where, you know, Milana falls backwards or or the dog's chasing, you know, Camilla or, or whatever, you know. And uh, children are priceless. They're just so beautiful. They're just so sincere. There's no malice about them at all. Uh, and, and, you know, and afterwards, 
Honestly, some of them are more grown-up than the grown-ups, you know. <laughs> Thank you, Mr. Saluzio, for reading that story. I really love the Christmas book. Um, they shake your hand. And these guys, you know, they're up to my kneecaps, and, and it's just <laughs> awesome to sort of see that. Man, that's, I'm guessing, Lou, that you're the kind of guy that does all the voices and the sound effects. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, we do all of that. <laughs> <laughs> that's the best part. I love that part. <laughs> That's really good. Yeah, Mate, sure. you, mentioned, you mentioned you've got, you know, you've got kids of your own, you've got sons of your own. What conversations do you have with your sons about their health? Uh, well, obviously, um, I started doing uh, speeches um, with clubs. Uh, the first one I did was with Lotus Club Victoria, and I invited my children there. And basically, at the end of, the, of my speech, uh, my presentation, you know, I say, why, why am I doing this? And this is the reason I'm doing this, because I've got three sons and two grandsons, and I don't want to see them going through what I've gone through. I know that they're now far more aware of what they should be eating. I know that the things that uh, they thought were okay to have, uh, they know that long-term potentially uh, could affect them, could affect their health. They could end up with prostate cancer, um, and they are seriously taking it. Look, you know, unless you're until you're faced with death, unfortunately, Osher, you don't really do everything. Uh, but when you are, you start to look for solutions and you start to look for answers. But at 35 or 40, young, fit, healthy, uh, everything's going right. You know, who's going to stop them from having the extra glass of wine or having the extra bit of uh, you know um, salami or cheese that's uh, been processed <laughs> with chemicals? Who's going to stop them? It's interesting. I had a conversation on this show just the other week about the uh, the rocking chair question. Imagine yourself in a rocking chair 10 years from now, living with the uh, accumulated side effects of whatever decision you're about to make and putting that in perspective, you know? Uh, 10 years from now, um, I'd like to think that, A, I'm still here. <laughs> um, that's, that's, uh, that's the first thing. So, you know, and quite frankly, I didn't think that I'd even get to this stage by now because... A uh, personal close friend of mine died of prostate cancer and uh, he deteriorated very quickly once it got to his lymph nodes and his bones and, and that was it and he died, uh, you know, a horrible, awful death. He, you know, I really, it's no point talking about that. Um, so, look, I, what my ideal future uh, would be to spend three or four months of the year in Sicily, Italy, where <laughs> I was born and my wife was born in the winter months, which would be, of, you know, of Australia, obviously, here. So leave here May, June, July, August, come back in September or October and then spend summer here with the grandkids. Um, and I'd like to think that perhaps the grandkids would come over and uh, just visit one of those beautiful beaches in Italy where the, the weather and the climate and, you know, they can't get them to strife with waves like you would in Bondi or Sunshine Coast <laughs> uh, and, and, and get swept out to China um, and uh, I'd like to think that, uh, you know, I've still got a wonderful relationship with my wife and my, my kids uh, and that all my friends are still around me. So that's, that's great. I love, it. I love it. I love it. Lou. You, me you mentioned something that a lot of blokes listening would probably be interested with. What have you found works in making sure that your marriage has stayed wonderful for all these years? Oh, don't kid yourself. There's been a lot of rocky roads. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we're... We're, we're both pretty fiery, and in fact... Um, You're both Sicilian. 
Oh, no, she's from the north, which is worse. So, we're, we're, you know, <laughs> she likes the dark. I like the light. You know, I like the spice. She likes the sweet. Technically, we shouldn't even be together, but somehow we still are 45 years later. It seems like you're describing <laughs> the alternate to the myth, which is the myth is that it's, you know, like roses and strawberries every day. But the reality is that, you know, it's sometimes it's difficult. Yeah. Of course it is. I mean, there's this business about people saying, oh, we never fight. And then, of course, I have one fight, they have one argument, they end up splitting up. You know, I mean, to me, that's just a, that's just a joke. You never fight. How can you never fight? There's always got to be some misunderstanding, some disagreements. There's got to be something that both of you don't uh, uh, see the same way. And But the most important thing is that at the end that, uh, you know, we, we made a, a decision never to sort of go to bed uh, without or never go to sleep without resolving uh, the problem um, and uh, resolving the issue, getting over it, and then the next day it's a new day. So that's something, you know, there might have been one or two times where that hasn't happened because we've been extra angry with each other, And uh, but that's just stupid. It, it doesn't do anything. It just, you know, just breeds, uh, you know, worse, worse things in your stomach for, you know. Look, again, you know, the cancer thing, the happier that you can stay, the more relaxed that you can stay, the more content that you are with what you've got, things around you, the friends around you, then, you know, that that's uh, you, you've got a head start. You know, you've got a huge head start. That's the good stuff right there, Lou. That's gold. Mate, it's been great to speak to you. We end all these interviews with the same three questions. So uh, I'm going to ask, come November, what kind of moustache is going to be gracing your face? Okay, I thought you'd ask that. My wife absolutely detests and hates mustaches with a vengeance. So she she is going to get whatever grows, and whatever that's called, whatever that's called, I've got absolutely no idea. Uh, but it, it's going to stay there until the thirty first, or however many days there are in November. I think there's thirty one, um, and uh, it'll you know I think it'll probably be one that. Uh, will go right across the top of the upper lip and just up to the, the side where the mouth meets, sort of there. Um, and uh, if it doesn't look right, well, I might hack a bit of it off, but I, I don't think I'd ever get it to the stage where it looks like, uh, you know, Hitler-type moustache. Honestly, mate, <laughs> I think you're going to look fantastic. Now, the second question I'd like to ask you is, what do you appreciate most in your friends? Oh, in my friends? Oh, look, just the straightforward uh, companionship and their honesty. You know, they, they, they'll tell you the way things are and we, we talk... Uh, just as if, uh, you know, I talked just as if I was talking to my wife and my best friend and there's no inhibitions at all and we genuinely give each other support. I know that I've had tremendous support from the guys, um, especially when I was tracking backwards and forwards every single day to the Epworth Hospital for my radiation treatment. And they all said, Lou, do you want us to drive you? Are you going to be okay just in case you're tired? No, no, I'm okay. I'm fine. You know, they give me a car park there, so I'm Okay. So it's it's really, I guess, the support. We don't live in each other's pockets. Um, they've got families. We've got family. There's just so much on. And I'm so busy, you know, with uh, with my books as well. We're trying to get all of my books now to the Bologna Children's Fair, uh, which is in April next year in Italy. And uh, I'd like to think that we're going to come back with, uh, you know, a good Aussie prize because the books are really beautiful. And uh, I'd like to you know, put in a plug if I could. Yeah. If, uh, you know, people want my books uh, on com or on Amazon, uh, they're all available there. Uh, Milana and the Escalator, uh, Max the Boy Who Didn't Believe in Santa Claus, 
Giant the Excursion and the others will be there very, very shortly. They're just getting printed at the moment. Um, so lusesalusia.com or Amazon, and uh, they are really beautiful books. There's a, there's a, a life lesson in all of the books. Um, there's uh, teachings for parents and um, grandparents and carers. Basically, you know, I just wanted uh, children to be uh, to be brought up in a safe environment, and this sort of teaches them how to go about it in a real fun and easy way. Mate, I love it. The last question I, I ask everybody is if you could pick up the phone and call 18-year-old you, what would you say? What would I say? Yeah. I would say, mate, start now, exercise properly, eat properly, and uh, just look after your body because uh, you only get one chance at it, you only get one body, and uh, you need to make sure that uh, it carries you through like your grandparents to 90 years of age. Luce, Lucio, it's been an absolute pleasure to speak with you today. Thanks so much for joining us, mate. Thank you so much for having me on your program, Osha. That was Lucy Luso. Thank you so much for joining us on Movember Radio. You can find us each and every week in your phone if you simply subscribe in the podcasting app of your choice, or you can find us on SoundCloud, search for us on Facebook, or MovemberRadio.com for old episodes. Let us know what you thought of the show in the rating section in iTunes. That really helps us out. This episode was produced by myself, Usher Ginsberg, with Lavanya Nagendran, Molly Hindman, audio production by Daryl Misson, and music by the ever-rocking Hider. Thank you so much for joining us on the show today. Happy November. Talk to you next week. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.